Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Hello, hello, and welcome to People With Purpose. Uh, Today, I'm going to continue the Calm Leadership series. Uh, Last time around, I spoke about a commitment culture and how a commitment culture can help you to win, uh, give you more chance of success uh, with your mission uh, and uh, reduce the chance of failure. However, that draws out an interesting challenge for many teams and organisations and therefore for many leaders. And that is the challenge of psychological safety. So a culture of accountability built around your purpose creates great relationships, improves satisfaction at work um, or in teams, builds engagement and this delivers results. You have to set clear expectations. You have to learn to communicate well. Uh, You have to keep your team members motivated. And you've also got to learn to manage conflict and lead with, with care, lead with calm. But creating a culture of accountability in your organization also comes with risks. And delegating accountability means letting go. And a calm leader, uh, a great leader, will recognise this and understand that the main risk of letting go of anything comes to the fore in your own behaviour as a leader, especially if and when things go wrong. And things will go wrong. Um, And when they do, how will you react? Will you sort of steam in there and try and fix it? Will you fly off the handle? Uh, Will you sulk? Or will you show your agitation in some other way? Will you lose trust in your team? And what will that do to the people in your team? How will that make them feel? And what will that do then to their level of trust in you? And then all the benefits of creating a commitment culture, creating a culture of accountability could potentially be unravelled in one moment of reaction from you as the leader. Now, why is that? Well, that's because people need to feel safe, both physically and psychologically. It's a fundamental human need. I mean, Maslow stacks safety right at the base of the human needs and other models around human needs all show that safety, security is a fundamental, primal almost, human need. And if it's that primal and that basic for us, we absolutely have to have that as a human being in order to be at our best. And yet, only one in five people at work feel comfortable with giving constructed, constructive criticism when they're at work. And that's in a uh, survey conducted 
by um, it's a Dale Carnegie survey, uh, and it, I think it covered over twenty one countries or covered twenty one countries. So massive survey of uh, about six and a half thousand people show that only one in five people feel comfortable even giving constructive criticism whilst they're at work. So it's a big problem and it's a big opportunity for the calm leader. So how can we as leaders create psychological safety and build a healthy and supportive culture for our people where they can speak up without fear of reprimand or being humiliated, where they can be empowered to innovate build great relationships, make decisions and get things done without fear of the consequences if things don't quite go according to plan. And it takes time. And a word that comes up a lot, actually, intention and patience. But there are a few things that you can do. So understanding others, empathising with others, owning up to your own mistakes, being transparent, ditching blame and complaining, being inclusive and celebrating progress. They are the seven things that you can do in your team to create psychological safety for others and for yourself. So the first thing then, number one, is understanding others. So safety means something different to all of us. We've all got our own perspectives on life. We've all got our own needs. So take the time and the interest to understand your people on an individual level. That's so vital. In fact, when people get disenfranchised at work, it's often because, or part of the challenge, is that their manager's kind of lost interest in them or doesn't take sufficient interest in them. That's a big deal. So when you're taking an interest in others and seeking to understand, ask them questions. Yeah, how are you? Don't just ask that question and walk on by. Be present and listen to the answer. Be really engaged. We all know when we're talking to somebody and they're not quite there. You can tell. It's in their body language, it's in the way their eyes are moving around. How does that make you feel when that happens to you? So if you're doing that with other people, how does that make them feel? What questions does it raise? Does it raise the question about how much you value them? How much you are really interested? You've asked the question, but are you just ticking a box? Show your, your people, your employees, your team members, your colleagues, that you value them enough to stop what you're doing and to listen to what they have to say, particularly when you've asked them a question. I had a great idea recently as well about really enabling people to bring their whole selves to work and recognising that work and life are conjoined. Um, but, you know, people, many people, work to live rather than the other way around. And this is something that uh, senior leaders and business owners need to respect and understand about their people. 
you may be driven and focused and spending all the hours working in your business or on your job, but that might not be the same for everybody. And it doesn't mean that they're not committed to the cause and shouldn't be given that opportunity to feel safe psychologically when they're at work. So bringing their personal goals to a conversation with you, uh, making them public maybe. I mean, that's a great idea that came out of a uh, an interview that's coming up on this podcast very soon as a, as a business uh, based in, in, in the States where uh, there's a wall and everyone uh, in the business has got their own personal goals. You know, what's their life goal up on the wall? And that's why they go to work in a way. They go to work to fund that life dream. So understanding others culturally, knowing and recognising that on a one-to-one basis, you've got a relationship with that person and they've got a relationship with you. You're the leader and you care and that their life is important to them. And accepting that makes a massive difference. So that's the first thing, is to understand others. Second thing is to to lead with empathy. So empathising with others doesn't take a lot of effort. Again, it builds on the previous point, really, about understanding. And when you lead with empathy, you put yourself in their shoes. You see things from their perspective. Then other people in your organisation will see you doing that and they will follow your lead. So empathy is massive, especially when it comes to encouraging people to feel safe. A third thing then is to actually own up to your own mistakes. I think it's been well documented that people may feel unsafe at work. Psychological safety we're talking about. because. If they speak up, they might be, you know, ridiculed or reprimanded or treated badly. And no one likes making mistakes, right? People don't feel very comfortable. No, no one, or I say no one, most people don't want to let other people down. And that probably includes you as the leader. But as the leader, you can make it more acceptable to try and to fail and to learn by owning up to mistakes that you make and maybe telling stories about some of the mistakes that you've made in in your career and how in a way it got you to where you are today so own up to your own mistakes and failures and the lessons that you've learned say sorry when you make mistakes Really, really powerful. And again, it leads by example. It means if you do it and if you can say it and talk about it and be open about it, then you're in a much better position then to ask your people to share mistakes and to be open about concerns that things might be not quite going according to plan. They can share what they've learned. They can also speak up about the fact that things might be going off the rails before it actually happens to give you a chance to work with them to retrieve the situation. 
So owning up to your own mistakes is and failings is a it's a really powerful way of role modeling the fact that actually in a successful organization it's accepted that everything's not going to go perfectly right first time every single time and the important thing is you're making progress and again I'll come back to that a bit later on so that's number 3 and up to your mistakes and number 4 building on that is about transparency so if you can be transparent really open and honest with people about feedback about how the business is performing about how the team is performing against the goals and against the milestones about the budget process always a really emotive subject setting budgets for the year ahead and you know all the ideas that come out of a good business planning process and some of them might be costed and look good but still might not get approved because of availability of capital or other priorities so being really transparent about that budget process is is crucial because people will worry about things if they don't hear anything you know if there's a silence about something then people will create their own stories and unfortunately what can happen is people can catastrophize now that wasn't even a word 10 years ago as far as I'm aware but it is now and whether it's post pandemic or whatever it might be it's a word that's being used more and more and more so we have to be aware that there is this kind of sense of the unknown unknowns and the known unknowns creating more concern for people than maybe they did 5 10 years ago people want to be trusted and people will trust you if you are completely transparent with them and they don't have to worry about filling in the gaps themselves so be really clear about all of those sorts of things that might affect people's lives as early as you can and work with people on solutions so that's number 4 be transparent number 5 is to ditch blame and complaining and defensive behavior so look when something goes wrong very often the first instinctive thing that you might do is try and work out why and what follows why is invariably who or part of why is invariably who so you're looking for what caused the problem and that can very very easily play into looking for somebody to blame and even if that's not your intention sometimes it can feel like that which is why you also have to ditch defensiveness now building trust and psychological safety is about being in it together so if something goes wrong then using collaborative words like uh we ownership words like i are much more powerful and helpful for the situation 
than using accusatory words like you and asking open questions like how can we, what can we, which options, which option can we, those kind of questions can really, really help to kind of open the conversation up to focus more on what's the solution to the problem than who's to blame. And the thing about complaints is that they can percolate into a culture of uh, gossiping, negative comments. I mean, complaints are really, really helpful for businesses. So if a customer has a complaint, then call it that because you've fallen short of the expectations of the customer. But if you've got a couple of teams, say, who are working together and they've dropped the ball between them, rather than getting into the blame game or complaining about the other team, work on how that team can work more effectively with its neighbour. Make sure that the attitude is about continuous improvement. Make sure the attitude is about collaboration and not about creating silos. And if you've got a problem, who are the right people to gather to fix it? And can you start off with a cross-functional problem-solving session rather than, you know, department A going off into a hustle and identifying the root cause as being somewhere else and then coming to the other team and saying, you're doing this, doing that on their own rather than doing it collectively with the team. Because very, very often what can happen is you can be in effect when you're doing that kind of thing. And that can lead you to make assumptions, not get to the root cause anyway, not understand the full picture. And what you want to be is in cause. And the kind of solutions you need to be looking for are not really about people, about the individual. They might be about training. But more often than not, things go wrong because there's a problem with the process. The process doesn't make it as easy as it could do for the customer's requirements to be fulfilled. So work together without blame, without complaints, without defending or justifying positions, and instead replace them with ownership, with compliments, with acceptance, and with solutions. And whatever you do, if you see behaviour that's not congruent with your values, that's not congruent with your trademark behaviours, that's not congruent with taking accountability, then you've got to call it out. Call it out, bring it out into the open. Make sure that if there's any uh, complaining or blaming, that you definitely call it out. And then actively call in, as in praise, when people take ownership. Actively praise when people compliment each other. In fact, systemize that. Systemize feedback in your business and encourage people to put feedback on about each other when they go the extra mile. In a way, that kind of creates a culture of psychological safety. It also needs to be handled 
in the right kind of way. Again, understand others. Some people don't like to be praised either. They, they find it uncomfortable. So find the right way of doing that. But yeah, call out the problems and call in the good behaviours that you want to see. So that's number five. Number six is to be inclusive. So I've just mentioned systemizing feedback. The more ways that you can find to encourage people to share their thoughts, share their views, share their improvement suggestions, the better. And with all the tech we've got at our disposal today, you know, Teams groups, WhatsApp groups, systemized feedback systems, public public praise, public thoughts, maybe, LinkedIn. I mean, you're going to have a mixture of people in your team with different preferences, different orientations. So being inclusive covers you know, psychological factors, like whether people are introverted or extroverted. Include introverts in a way that suits them. Ensure that extroverts are uh, leaving enough space, shall we say, for the introverts to have their say, or provide a different mechanism for introverts to be able to step forward. Also bringing in a diverse range of views by bringing in diversity to your team, whether that be uh, gender, race, colour, any preference, any orientation, neurological diversity. People who are dyslexic, as an example, can think very, very differently to, to people who are not. And then providing an environment where people who might be hypersensitive, maybe to light or to noise, there may be ADHD, making sure there's an environment there where people can feel comfortable both to work, but also to share their thoughts and their ideas. So be as inclusive as you can. And again, that builds on point one, really, which is about understanding others. And that inclusivity kind of plays into how you set things up in your business, how open you are about it, being aware of the language that you use and that people use, and being aware of people's behaviours as well. I mean, if you can observe how people work together, and people might be quite accidentally or unconsciously creating an environment which makes other people feel uncomfortable. I had an example recently where there's a couple of people in, in my team and, and we're we enjoy a cheeky comment. It never goes too far. We're always respectful. But a cheeky comment to one person could be quite offensive to somebody else. So be aware of that and understand what people need. Encourage people to talk openly about how they feel about certain phrases. Encourage people to call it out. And give your commitment as the leader that people won't be judged or ridiculed or, or laughed at for sharing their thoughts, sharing their ideas. Express gratitude for every piece of feedback that you get and encourage, like I said, space for people to be able to speak and for everyone to have their say. 
and make sure it's quality as well through active listening. And in that way, if people are listening properly, then they'll be taking the time to understand each other's views and showing respect for the different opinions. And even if you don't agree with somebody else's point of view, you can disagree in a respectful way by thanking the person who's put the feedback in, thanking the person who's come up with the idea and the thought, and genuinely considering it, and then giving feedback even if you decide to go a different way that, like I say, is founded on that gratitude and explains clearly the reason why you decided to go in a different direction. In fact, it's vitally important if you're going to encourage people to make suggestions, improvement suggestions, to give feedback, it's vitally important that that feedback loop is closed and better for people to get some feedback, get a response, even if it's just, you know, not, not agreeing with their suggestion, than leaving something up in the air and unanswered and unresolved. Because again, you create that, that gap, that void where people make up their own mind about why they're not getting a response. And their model of the world might have beliefs in it, which mean that they might think that you're not respecting them. Leave it in no doubt by giving that feedback. And the seventh and final thing that you can do to create a culture of psychological safety in your organisation is to celebrate progress as well as success. Now, when things aren't going well, maybe your financial performance ain't where it should be. Maybe some of your numbers, your other metrics aren't where they should be. People get very focused on performance and they've got nothing to celebrate. But what about progress? What about those failures and mistakes that are stepping stones towards success? Del Carnegie quote coming up. So develop success from failures. Discouragement and failure are two of the surest stepping stones to success. Discouragement and failure are two of the surest stepping stones to success. And that's very true. No one achieved anything without trying and failing first time around. Unless they're in the land of the fluke. I've not really explored whether flukes exist or not. I think there's a, uh, there's a bit about mind over matter in flukes even. You believe you're going to do it, so it happens. Or you relax, so your instinct kicks in. But being able to be relaxed about the fact that it might not work out first time is vital because that's how you learn. That's how your business makes progress. So celebrate that progress. Recognise the, the lessons that can be learned and enjoy focusing on those solutions, focusing on preventing it from happening again if it's a preventable problem. Focus, like I said earlier, on making your systems and processes easier for your people, because you're probably also then making it easier for your customers as well to buy from you, which can never be a bad thing. 
And also most mistakes, and again, I'll, I'll caveat this with, okay, there are some serious exceptions to this, but most mistakes are actually quite easy to fix if the will is there to do it. So treat mistakes like that. Somebody comes and holds their hand up, says they've done something and it's gone bad. Bring out your empathy and treat it like it's easy to resolve. And if it's not easy to resolve, treat it like it's going to be possible to find a way. And then focus on prevention. So celebrate progress as well as success. And again, like I said, when your business maybe is not performing as well as it should, or your team is perhaps maybe not delivering on the metrics that it would like to deliver, then what is going well? What progress is being made? And celebrate that because invariably there's good stuff going on and it's good groundwork for future success. So Nelson Mandela said, the greatest glory in living is not in falling, but in rising every time we fall. And so creating a culture of psychological safety means that people know that sometimes they're going to fall. And that might not be the glory bit. No one likes grubby or scarred knees. But rising can be pretty awesome. And for people to know that the expectation is that we're going to do stuff and not everything's going to pan out right first time. We're going to have different views and opinions and expressing them is okay. And in fact, it's encouraged because we need that colour. We need that richness to help us to move things forward and that we're going to celebrate progress as much, if not more than celebrating the success. Then that, what that will do is that will encourage creativity and new ideas. That will encourage your people to remain and become more engaged with your mission. You'll be including everyone in building this culture of accountability. People's well-being will improve. People will feel safe. So they'll be able to step up those different levels on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And your results will improve. And people will stay with you as well. I mean, today, people are 10 times more likely to leave companies because of a toxic culture in an organisation than something like the level of pay or work-life balance or whatever. There's that old saying in there that people don't leave companies, people leave bosses. and. Uh, yeah, three in four people say that their boss is the most stressful part of their jobs. 75% of people are not engaged in their work. That's massive. Really is massive. It just really makes me think. And, you know, if that Dale Carnegie research that shows that one in five people feel comfortable sharing even constructive criticism at work, only one in five, then there's a lot more that we've got to do. But for those of us that do, those of us calm leaders that really want to create leaders, that really want to build accountability, that really want to deliver on our mission, 
and make a difference in the world. What a great opportunity that is for us to role model the way. One, take early mover advantage on creating a, an environment which is psychologically safe for our people. And then two, be a beacon of light for those other organisations that need to up their game to keep up with us. We've got a real opportunity here to make a difference for people, make work a great thing to do for more people and help organisations with purpose to create people with purpose that can really make a difference. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Bye.